Well, welcome in, my friends. I'm Josie, the host for the Living in Hope podcast, and I'm so glad you've joined me today. This is actually our 31st episode. If you're new to tuning in, be sure to go back and listen to our other episodes to hear some fantastic, hope-filled conversations. I've got some friends with me here today who have years and years of incredible stories about God bringing hope to the most seemingly hopeless parts of our world. I'm excited for this one, y'all, because these are some of the most amazing people I know who get to do some of the most amazing things for the kingdom. I'm confident that after spending a little time with these guys, you're going to feel encouraged and reminded of the amazing hope that God has for us all. My friends, Corey Trenda and Bill Bryce, along with my dad, Charlie Keith, are about to join me at my table here. And oh man, these guys are a dynamic team. All three have worked for World Vision for most of their careers, connecting people and resources here to people and their significant needs in the most impoverished parts of our world. For those of you who don't know, let me just give you a quick rundown of World Vision. World Vision is one of the world's largest Christian humanitarian organizations, bringing hope to the most hopeless of places. You might know them for their extensive child sponsorship program or their disaster relief efforts all over the globe, often seen on the news. They are also the world's leading provider of bringing clean water to those who don't have it. And clean water is life-changing. Their mission statement says it all. World Vision is an international partnership with Christians whose mission is to follow our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in working with the poor and oppressed to promote human transformation, seek justice, and bear witness to good news of the kingdom of God. That's a power punch for the kingdom for sure. Okay, that lays the groundwork for us. So now it's time for you to meet these guys and hear about some of their amazing experiences. Well, great, guys. Let's get right started. I'm so glad that you've joined me here today. And I have to uh, say before I introduce you, you are some of my parents' dearest friends. And you are on vacation here joining together for a little reunion you typically have. And um, I got to break in on your vacation. And you were willing to come and just give me a little bit of your time. Uh, I treasure that. So thank you so much. So I'm going to now actually let each of you introduce yourselves. And the first person I'm going to start with is my dad, Charlie Keith. Tell us, Dad, who you are, uh, where you are in this world, what you've done. Real quick, you can tell us a little bit about our family. Oh, great. And everything. Yeah, we moved here in about 1974, I think, to Camino Island. You were three years old. Mm -hmm. And we looked for a good church, and God led us to this church. I think there was 50 people when we started here. <laughs> and uh, God just blessed us with uh, wonderful pastors and teaching. And, uh, and then... Uh, your sister, Rachel, uh, really changed our lives because she was born severely, profoundly brain injured. And the church really helped us walk through some really hard times. And, and through that, you know, um, I had a lot of different jobs, but I really wanted to make my life to have something for purpose. So I prayed for years that that God might call me to something important for the kingdom. And, mm -hmm. and he did, you know, 35 years ago, mm -hmm. I had the opportunity to come on the, a brand new team of World Vision for major gift fundraising, which they didn't have that ministry before. 
And so I've done that for my whole career. And if, how many years? Were you about with? 33 before 33. I retired. And then I'm still on, do some special projects on call. And before that, I, I was a salesman. Mm. I sold life insurance. I sold Lifesaver candy. That was my favorite job you had. Uh, sweet. <laughs> it was a very sweet, <laughs> sweet job. Yes, it was. And I had a lot of friends when you worked for Lifesaver. Oh, so. yeah. Yeah. And then, and then for about three and a half years, uh, I, I was a broker manager. Uh, for a big company, and I learned, and I had to travel a lot, but I did learn a lot of skills from the business world that really uh, went nicely and, Transfer. and this transferred into this kingdom work. Yeah, for sure. Very thankful for. Yeah, that's awesome. And you're married to married to Lynn for uh, how many years? Uh, we've been married 51 years, Ooh, soon so to be 52. And, Thank uh, you. Yes. Yes, that's a gift to me. Thank you. Yeah, awesome. All right, well, let's keep moving here, Bill. Tell us about you. Well, I'm thrilled to be here first, let me say that. I'm thrilled to be here, and we are having a little reunion, these two guys and I. We all started in the early 80s when World Vision was just starting a mm -hmm. fundraising program for potential major donors. So we've been together with our spouses all this time, and we stay together. That's why we're here together now, even though your dad's retired and Corey yeah. and I are not yet. We're still yeah. bosom buddies, and so well, this is our fourth reunion now we've done. Uh, in eight years so we every two years we try to find each other and get together so that's what we're doing so I live in New Hampshire Portsmouth area mm -hmm. which is on the ocean on the Atlantic Ocean pretty far from here thank you for traveling all this way <laughs> just to come well, and do this podcast well, you're very, I, well yeah. when I heard about it I wouldn't miss it right I, uh, yeah you know, the, the reunion was just an accident you know yeah but, yeah uh, <laughs> really here for the podcast yeah yeah so uh that's where I live I have a wife Annette we've been married 40 years we have two adult children. The primary reason, seriously, we're out in the Pacific Northwest is our son, our younger uh, child, has moved to uh, Oregon. Mm -hmm. And uh, we've been trying to get out of here for about 18 months to see him. Uh, he moved just as COVID started. So we finally, yeah. this week, last week, uh, got to Bend, Oregon. I spent all week with him, Caleb and Carly. So that's our son. And then we have an older daughter, Lydia who's married, and uh, our home is actually attached to her home back on the East Coast. So they, uh, my son-in-law is a medical doctor, and my daughter Lydia is an occupational therapist, and so they, they have a busy medical schedule. So we are grandma and grandpa when we're back East. We have a three-year-old grandson, Elliot, and a 10-month-old Everly girl. Oh, so fun. So uh, we kind of run through the three-car garage back and forth for babysitting. So, And I've been at World Vision like these guys uh, since 1984. Yeah. Okay, so how many years is that? 37. Okay, I was yeah. trying to add up yeah, here. How 37 many? 33, 37. Yep. Okay, awesome. And Corey, your turn. And I joined World Vision in 1982. Okay. Uh, I was working at IBM before that in their large computer, main, the old mainframe days. You know, the old, you'd have to have a whole air conditioned room, you know, for your computers. Mm -hmm. And I did that for about five years after college. Uh, got married young, had my kids young. Uh, I now have a wife of 48 years, Janet, That's wonderful. and uh, two kids in their mid-40s, um, five grandkids and two great-grandkids mm. already. Um, and uh, it's been a, incredible. an incredible, it's been an incredible journey. As Charlie said, uh, you know, I was also privileged to have some great training and then be able to use, it was a, it was a real revelation for me. So my dad died young. He died at age 40 in his sleep of a brain aneurysm, and he'd had no warning. 
So he's he's uh, signing up for an over 35 hockey league uh, one evening, and he comes home, goes to bed, and he dies in his sleep <clears throat> at age 40. And I and they said it could run in the males of the family. And so by the time I was, you know, four years into IBM or so, I started thinking, well, what happens if I dropped dead at 40? Did mm. my life matter? How did what, mm. what, how do you get a sense of that? And I thought, you know, I better go back and ask the guy who made me, mm. why am I here? Um, and, and in fact, I remember being sitting in church one day and asking that question again and thinking oh no what if he tells me (laughs) (laughs) you know am I going to be willing to do it Mm. and 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 I realized if I was going to pray that prayer I better be prepared to say yes Mm -hmm. to you know to the best of my ability and you know without losing my marriage etc Janet was incredible and I, as I searched my soul and my own background and what my, where my passions were, I realized my gifting and skills were all in this. And my education were in business, you know, and, and uh, sales and marketing and those kinds of things. But my passions were really with the human condition and with the kingdom of God. And, uh, I, and it was like a revelation for me. I one, said, I wonder if the organizations that are doing the stuff I care about could use somebody with my gifts and skills and... Mm-hmm. And that led me to look at a lot of organizations, and I en- ended up at the one I was most impressed with, which was mm-hmm. World Vision. Mm-hmm. And before we get off track, you know, I just wanted to say, I did, you, you guys just reminded me. I didn't talk about my background, but it's kind of I see now the parallel. I'll just throw it out real fast yeah, for please. you, Josie. And that's that, likewise, I was a union carbide salesman. That was a Fortune 25 really? uh, company, and I was a pretty high-level chemicals and plastics, specialty chemicals and plastics salesman. And I had the similar experience where in my 20s, I've already got the expense account, the company car, the fancy travels. And one day I realized that this has got to be more than this. I mean, I had this empty sense. And that sent me on a long journey, which included reading the Bible from cover to cover, which led to all kinds of things. And pretty soon I went through a series of events also, but I ended up ultimately at World Vision a few years later too. But it's kind of, so that God was kind of, Preparing us, and, it, and for what that's so worth for your true. podcast today, so there was a true. lot of lot of lot of prep going on that we mm. couldn't see. Well, isn't that the truth in life that's in right. general? We we yeah. can't see what's coming, but he can. And the things that he, I have a similar story, and uh-huh. I currently am not doing what I was trained to do. <laughs> but the the what I was college trained to do feeds into what I am doing. And God knew, God yep. knew I would need to have the experiences that you would need to have the experiences yep. and the training. And, and the groundwork to do the work that you've yeah. now gotten to do for, I think if I've, if I'm adding right, I think we're looking at about a hundred years collectively of, mm-hmm. of, yeah. of yeah. work in yeah. a Christian humanitarian yeah. organization. I'd say we look like that. Like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, hundred each, I think. No, I assure you listeners, these guys look great. Look, they look great. So, you know, wow, about 100 years of going to the corners of the earth, you guys have gone to places that most of us will will never go. And you've experienced things that most of us will never experience. In fact, I know because of my dad that all three of you visited the Ethiopian famine Mm -hmm. camps at the peak of the famine Mm -hmm. in the the mid 80s. -hmm. Is that when that was? Um, I don't think too many people on this planet experienced 
uh, that. Uh, you've been instrumental since then, during that time and since then, in helping connect resources with need. And that has given all three of you a very unique perspective on the topic of poverty and oppression and the power of hope. I think you would agree with me. Yeah. You've seen firsthand what happens when we put our faith into action and God intervenes. And I've grown up hearing these stories really most of my life. And I've always wanted to find a way for others to get to hear them. And mm. this is my chance. <laughs> I just have you for a little bit. And I know we're not going to even touch, scratch the no. surface of some of the experiences you've had. But but I, I just want to give the listeners just just a little glimpse into this, um, mm. the unique perspective that you guys have on hope. And, and that comes from the experiences God led you to and the job God has put you into for your, for your lives, for your life's work. So I, I'm going to start with what could be a somewhat fun and light question, but it could, it could go deep too. So it's up to you. What in all of your journeys around the world what, what was your favorite or most memorable place that you've been? And it, in, you can have more than one. That's kind of hard to ha have you pinpoint one. But maybe pick one of the highlight places and, and tell us why. Well, I'll start. I, I think that the most amazing place I've ever seen is Machu Picchu, Peru. And it was incredible. The trip was a difficult trip. Uh, it was it based on economic development. You know, a lot of the poor, uh, they just don't have a fair shake at banking. Uh, some of the loan offices are loan sharks. They don't tell the truth. World Vision has a division called Vision Fund. And it's, 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 it's a wonderful thing because people that are really poor have a good idea, want to work, but they don't have that first little bit of capital. And so there's some uh, very successful business people here in the Northwest that want to help people like that. If if they could kind of see it and understand it. So that was the team we went. I've been there twice. Uh, one with some wonderful Christian people, seeing some poor people's businesses that just makes hope just bust out, right? Mm -hmm. And then another other trip was with a, a billionaire atheist and his Jewish lawyer. That one wasn't as much fun, <laughs> but, but it was a really good Christian witness trip. But anybody that ever wants to see something that you can't hardly believe your eyes. You go to Cusco, Peru, mm -hmm. uh, very, the highest, one of the highest capital, you know, capital of South America, really, in the old days. Uh, and, and you take a narrow-gauge train, there's no roads, mm -hmm. and you go into the most amazing ruins that you, you just can't believe the intellect of the Incas, mm -hmm. uh, the way they carved these stones, the way they built this place. It mm -hmm. just blows your mind. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's that. mine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, probably the uh, first answer would be Switzerland, which uh, there's not much to do with World Vision, obviously. Yeah. But uh, we took, we were telling the guys, we took a, had a, a hiking trip a few years ago, and it was a mm. marvelous experience, my wife and I. And, uh, and it was an educational trip where we had guides that took us all around to learn things. And the, the be natural beauty in God's creation was spectacular. But probably more germane to this conversation would be my, my depth without a doubt my favorite place in, a, in besides for vacationy things is the country of Malawi mm -hmm. a very tiny landlocked country uh, in southern Africa 12 million people it's in the bottom five or ten of all the you know countries in the world as far as its economic well-being you know the standards of, of living there and I in my very first trip with my wife we absolutely fell in love with the people there 
and uh, have been back many times since and have taken everybody that will go with me <laughs> since. Mm-hmm. And uh, interestingly enough, the, they, they even have a nickname for the people in the country themselves. It's uh, their tagline. It's Malawi, the warm heart of Africa. Oh, wow. And these people exude joy mm-hmm. and hope. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that's it, they energize you. And uh, we could talk about that in our conversation as the time unfolds, perhaps. But that, but that's what they they've got it. In spite, and and you can't explain it because they're amongst the poorest you'll ever meet. They have none of their basic needs met. Most of them, but they have these big smiles and they have hope in God. Is what they have hope in. Most mm-hmm. of them are Christians, and three hour worship services with the, the whole routine you can imagine in spite of their poverty and suffering. And so that mm. that's my that's my favorite country. And the warmth, yeah, like you say the the warmth toward others, yeah. Yeah, they 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 love each other, they take care mm. of each other. We, if we get into it, we could I could mm-hmm. give you some illustrations of how they help each other and the, they convey that hope from that because even amongst the poorest of the poor, there's even poor. <laughs> yeah. They're really yeah. and, and we could all talk about that. That might be interesting for your listeners too. I mean, there's Absolutely. even even amongst the dirt poor, <laughs> even amongst the extreme poor, there's poor, and they yeah. know it, and they take care of each other, which is that's a real hope mm-hmm. thing. But is anyway, that, is that something that you guys have seen, kind of all around, not not just within one people group, but is that something? It's particularly evident in my opinion there. But yeah, I've seen it. In fact, it's humbling. It's humbling how the poor. The people take that care of each other. Take care yeah. of each other better than I think we do mm-hmm. with all our resources. There's, there's a lot more of a sense of kind of uh, the, the social safety net that allows them to, you know, all survive basically in really difficult places. You know, it's interesting that you kind of took it to a people issue like that because I can't, I can't help kind of get past my, my first. You know, it's hard to go beyond your first trip to to visit the, mm. the poor or your first mission trip or whatever you want to call it we call them vision trips and world vision but um I, I was in india in 1984 and we met mother Teresa. we saw world vision work we met uh very first day we see our, our first thing we're in the uh, in the morning the first uh, program and we're walking back to the vehicle and a and a woman walks up to our vehicle and she she's kind of banging her wrists together and we looked and she had no fingers on her hands and she had no nose and um it was kind of back during the time when people have had leprosy and she she was a leper and um it was a shocking experience, and we'd kind of been told in well-meaning ways, you know, don't give money to beggars, don't give money to beggars. And uh, so we, you know, tried to look away and tried not to do anything. And then our, our host, who was a, a, a person on the World Vision staff in India, he was Indian, he kind of quietly slips into his pocket and he, he hands her some, some money. And we said, what are you doing? We were told not to do that. And he said... <laughs> Listen, I'm a Christian. I'm, I'm a child of God. She's a child of God. That's a clear need. That that. But but um, I, I'm getting away from it a little bit. The the point I want to make about that was another human point, and that was the dignity of the poor, um, even when they're in the worst of circumstances. The the dignity to dress, and uh, the the women all had oiled their hair, you know. Mm-hmm. And they, they would be, you know, trying their best to look their best. And uh, Bill and I went to Ethiopia, I think it was your first trip, Bill, mm-hmm. and my second, during the famine. And even there, 
the dignity of the Ethiopian yes. people was, I mean, it, yes. it chokes me up yeah. to, mm-hmm. to stand, think about stand the humanity. Erect, be standing erect while they're skin and bones <sighs> skeletons waiting for food. I mean, just mm-hmm. out in the mm-hmm. hot sun. It was just, mm-hmm. you know, they're just... There was an elegance about them, isn't there? The Ethiopian, yeah. Mm. We we could fill an hour pretty fast, obviously. With with that's just great. I love it. That's your first question. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's let's keep rolling. Great answers so far. Well, listen. I've been reading a bit on the program that you. I think. Bill and Corey, you've been working on this program since my dad retired. Right. Mm-hmm. Did it yep. start after you retired, Dad? We had kind of phase one, every, every last child campaign for five years before that. Okay. And it was a campaign of such scale that none of us thought it was possible. And yet God met that need. And then this is the next phase of that. So the to, next phase of that is the campaign, every last one. Correct. And you're about five years into that at this point? Yes, mm-hmm. that's yeah. right. And you're on a journey to help end extreme poverty. Yes, That's right. what I read. Is I, did I mm-hmm. read that right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So tell us a bit about that and how um, I want to hear, if you can, a little bit briefly about what that <laughs> campaign's about. It's an extensive campaign, so mm-hmm. good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I found it fascinating reading through mm-hmm. um, through the <clears throat> that yesterday. Um, but I also want to know on the tail end of that, it's you know these global issues, you know, ending extreme poverty. Yeah, it, it seems out out of reach. Outrageous. It does it? outrageous, <laughs> and um, sometimes it can almost be paralyzing to those of us who have compassion, and we are followers of Christ, so we know we are called to help those in need. But sometimes we can feel powerless to do much. Mm. A person like me, I'm just an <clears> average <throat> person, which I know because of how I grew up that I'm, you know, an American is already in the top what, 2% of, yeah. Yeah. Maybe 1%. Yeah. So I, I get that, but we are speaking to mostly probably American listeners who are probably somewhere in the average mm-hmm. of America <laughs> financially. How can we make a difference? How, mm-hmm. how can we, um, yeah, how can we make a difference? So, so tell us about the every last one and, okay. and any of you. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll start. You can, you can talk, you guys can talk about the making a difference part if you want. Let me, I'll tell you a little bit about the campaign. Great. Um, it's the, the goal of this campaign is to reach 60 million more people. And we're, it's a combination of providing clean water. World Vision has now become the world's largest non-government provider of clean water in, in the world. In the world. And uh, we, provide somebody with clean water every 10 seconds and it's uh you know five million a year i think bill is about the number now of people it's incredible Mm -hmm. um so i mean this is such a radical thing but when when we started in this work half the people on the planet lived in extreme poverty so 50 percent of the people lived now extreme poverty is different from poverty and um, it's a number the World Vision, tri- World Vision, the World Bank tried to put a, a kind of a dollar number on it. What what is the basic, uh, what is the lowest level of a basket of kind of needs that people have that can be met? Uh, you know, a thousand calories a day and some kind of lodging or something. And they it was a dollar a day when they started this in 1995. It's now because of inflation, it's a dollar ninety a day, basically. Mm. But um, you know, lots of people are in poverty. But in terms of extreme poverty, that's where you've got, you know, lifelong stunting. You've got, you know, 
one out of three of your children dies before age five and just horrible, horrible Mm -hmm. things that does not need to happen in our world today. But, you know, even to say that sounded ridiculous when when we started. And uh, I mean, even today, 16,000 kids die a day of, of, you know, needless causes. But when we started, the number was 45,000 a day. 45,000 a day. 45,000 a day were dying of needless causes when you started. Per day. You guys, about the same time zone here. And today it's now down by two-thirds. That's incredible. It's incredible. And so this this ridiculous-sounding goal of ending extreme poverty... So all the nations of the world came together in about the year 2015 or so, and they started these, this, this kind of this vision, the sustainable development goals mm-hmm. to try to end extreme poverty. And, um, you know, th- the amazing thing is this is absolutely doable in our lifetimes if we're committed to it. But it's going to take everybody to be committed, you know, whether they're you know, lar- they, they have large amounts of resources or small amounts of resources, and everybody has a vote, right? And everybody has the ability to uh, use their voice in lots of other ways. But that's yeah. kind of the big idea of the campaign. We don't think, you know, we don't have any, you know, expectation that World Vision can do the whole thing, although we are, we are doing things like in Rwanda, we're reaching everybody everywhere we work with clean water. And that's about a million people and then the government of Rwanda is is jumping in on that. Other, uh, what are called, you know, other humanitarian organizations are are jumping in on that. And our goal is to lead the way to everybody in Rwanda having clean water, which would be, you know, another two million people or something who still need clean water. And we want to do that country by country. And um, uh, anyway, those, so those are the ideas. We want to be a catalyst to help the world accomplish that goal in our lifetimes, which is amazing. And and the campaign has multiple threads. You know, that's just clean water is just one, but it's all Mm -hmm. the very basics. There's an economic empowerment piece because uh, if you don't change the basic income generating opportunities for people, they're always going to stay in poverty. If they don't have education, they can't learn to read and write and protect themselves and get further ahead, they're not going to be able to to make it. If they don't get adequate health care, which uh, we, we define that the first thousand days of life, which would be conception to age two, as the most critical uh, health-wise. So mm-hmm. the, the whole birthing, you know, pregnancy process, and then the first two years of, of birth. And so we've got a whole program with, we've trained 200,000 community volunteers throughout Africa that go to people's homes and help them when they're pregnant, help them through the birthing oh, process, so help fantastic. them with nutrition, things they don't know, stuff they've got to be able to get locally for their nutrition. And uh, that gets back to what Corey just said about stunting, because that's when stunting, if they haven't got, if that the first two years, they don't have enough nourishment in the right ways, then they're stunted for life and it's too late. They're mm-hmm. mentally and physically stunted and the game, it's game over. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to talk about lack yes. of hope and heartbreak. Mm-hmm. That's what we're trying to avoid. So there's that element because we're an evangelical Christian shop, even though we're not tied to any one mm-hmm. church or denomination, we always make sure that somehow people are given the opportunity to hear about Jesus. They always know, even the governments know, the other agencies know, that that's why we're there. So Mm -hmm. it's not a proselytizing. We don't believe in forcing anything on anybody, but we tell them what motivates us. And to get to your point, what motivates donors? Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't donors give money to something, Mm -hmm. somebody way off on the other side of the world they'll never see? And Mm -hmm. so it's because Jesus has motivated them to do so. Those of us that are on the staff, he's motivated us to help. 
And then we find partners on the ground who are Jesus followers, and we all work together. It's a beautiful thing. It's a continuum. So that's more yes. about what the campaign is. So it's all the basic kind of elements to have a better life, so, you know, health care, clean water, education, economic empowerment, Christian discipleship, mm-hmm. a partnering. Uh, and we, there's more, but that's the, yeah. that's the, big, mm-hmm. that's the big idea, Josie. Uh, yeah. I'm yeah. actually really impressed that you were able to explain it so well, so quickly. Because he's so old? You mean? <laughs> <laughs> no, because it's a remarkable campaign. It is. And a very extensive. But you ask, how can a, a person, yeah. a regular person do yeah. that? You know, you think, oh, we're just working with millionaires, you know. Yeah. But, but, but I love the, the idea that Ted Engstrom had when we were hired to have this major gift team. Who's Ted Pardon me? Tell us who Ted Engstrom was. Ted Engstrom was the president of World Vision, the second president. Hired all of us. Hired all of us. And his dream of having a major gift program. So instead of one child sponsor, right, we work with folks. Maybe they can sponsor a whole bunch of kids. Or maybe instead of just, uh, maybe they could dig a well, right? So when I think I started wells, we could, for $3,000, we could dig a well. Um, then it grew a little bit bit because we were going in more difficult places. Okay, well, what if you find somebody then that can dig a well or a bunch of wells? Well, then what if you meet somebody that wants to help you that can buy a drilling rig? <laughs> and, and then pretty soon, what, then you have this, you train these teams to train the locals how to maintain the wells, and now they don't break down. They're going to last 25 years. Because, this, because of the scale of some of these really uh, major donors, uh, we've brought the cost down to per person to have clean water probably for 25 years or more. We've got for down to fifty dollars. Fifty dollars. So anybody yeah. that would give World Vision fifty dollars toward this campaign could know they brought that's clean amazing. water to someone for, for a long time, and th- that's you're thinking about little girls, you know, that can't go to school mm-hmm. because they got to walk for four and a half hours. I think is the average, isn't it, guys? That, that, that. And they have to do that once or twice a day before they can go to school. Mm-hmm. So you know that just leads to all kinds of better things for education. So I love the clean water part of our work. Mm-hmm. I've always thought that, and anybody can make a difference doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and as you explain that, I can't help but think we're talking about God's economy and God specializes in taking bits and pieces and weaving them together, right? To accomplish what he has planned. And just like he takes us in our different giftings and uses us in different ways for, for kingdom work, I suppose when you make such an outlandish goal, such as <laughs> let's end world <laughs> poverty, um, you, like you said so well, Bill, Jesus is at the center mm-hmm. of that. So, you know, you're, it's not just a man-made, no, no. you know, wish. It's, it's, there's a supernatural element to it as well. And we know in, in God's word, he tells us that even the widow's might can do mighty things. So. Well, then there's also the spiritual poverty of the people that give the money to drill the wells that need to be engaged with the poor in the world. Mm-hmm. The Bible is very clear. Don't forget the poor. Yeah. And so people need that, and and uh, so there's a there's a spiritual uh, joy in our donors' lives. I think a lot of, we would agree, guys, that our a lot of our, our our work has been to encourage people here. Uh, oh, absolutely. It's, it's just not all about the the poor in other no. countries, but people here need meaning in their lives. Uh, they need to find a way to give. Right, and the burden they they feel if they're trying to be stewards and please God, the burden they feel to do that wisely for the kingdom you know and 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 ministering to them in that is a great privilege that we Mm -hmm. that we have but but world vision is actually based on uh the the great great you know massive um, uh, uh number of our donors are 
child sponsors. They're the widow's mite uh, mm-hmm. donors mm-hmm. or people who, you know, Janet and I have nine sponsored kids on our refrigerator. And, yeah. you know, it, it, yeah. it, we just can't yeah. stop, too, you know. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, so everybody, you know, it's a matter of doing what we can and what, how we're, as we're called. Yeah. So the whole campaign, to answer your question, is structured around anybody can participate. You can participate at a dollar a day. Mm-hmm. You can participate at a million dollars. We've got someone recently made a $10 million mm-hmm. pledge. I mean, they're all over the map. And it's just what God's given them and how, how they're led, where they are in their journey, where they are in their philanthropy. And our job is just we're like partners with them. We just try to work with them to help them think, well, what is God leading you to do? Yeah. And then help them do it. And that's another element of joy yeah. and hope that we can talk about maybe before we're done, which yeah. is on this side of the equation, yeah. you know, nothing to do with the poor over there, but that's the hope that the donors get. That yeah. need, need well, let's talk about that right now for a second. Okay. So, um, the, I, I love that topic. Dad, you talk a lot about that. You've referred to yourself before as a broker. A kingdom mm. investment broker. Mm. <laughs> Say that one more time. Kingdom investment broker. You know, people have uh, all kinds of investment uh, brokers that help them think about retirement and all of this. Well, who who helps broker uh, projects for the kingdom of God? And if mm. the Bible says that these good works were prepared for us since the foundation, when a person finds Mm-hmm. that project that they were designed for mm-hmm. whoa man bill calls that the pilot light principle yeah. their lives light up yeah. and so yeah. to bring to be able to find that match for people kind of a matchmaker it's yes. a wonderful thing mm-hmm. yeah. i bet what I, one of the things i love about world vision from an average person's perspective is how many different avenues there are like you said bill everybody can participate yes. even a dollar at a time and i know our family child sponsorship's a big deal to our family growing up with the kids and now they're off and we're, we're still doing it mm-hmm. um I, and i love the gift catalog and those who aren't familiar with that mm. you can you can check that out on world vision's website as well and that's a phenomenal mm-hmm. beautiful way on a maybe more average scale for those of us who can actually um, pick certain things that speak to us, that yes. that make that joy light go on in us. Yes. Like for me, um, people with disabilities have a special place in my heart. And so for us, for me, I often pick like contributing to wheelchairs for those in need around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and that makes, mm-hmm. you know, and my daughter loves to do women, you know, feeding into care for women yes. around the world. And so I, I love that. Love it. Yep. Okay. Um, this is going to be a long episode, but I know that those <laughs> listening are thinking, keep going, keep going. This is such good stuff. So I, we're going to keep going here. Um, I would love for you guys to share an experience that you've had that is an example of God and his hope showing up. So m- I think you could probably say just about any of the trips you've ever taken, mm. you've experienced God showing up in unexpected ways. Our, our podcast is all about hope, bringing, mm, bringing okay. God's hope, right? And mm. so you have a unique perspective to that because you've seen, um, tangibly, literally physically seen hope show up in the most hopeless of places. So that's kind of what I'm after. Can, can you recall maybe a moment in your experiences where you had or have had an example of God's hope showing up? 
Well, I can, I'll start. I, I can't help think of a project in India called Vidharba Farmers Project. And uh, our, con- our national director in India knew that I had a farming family that, that adopted uh, six children from India, from the streets of India. So they understood the problems. Uh, and the root cause of one of those problems is, is uh, in their society, when a husband dies, all of the estate goes back to his family's, his brothers. And that's the reason so many women and children are just on the streets because they don't have anything. Well, in this part of uh, India, th- uh, they'd had a, a lot of issues that uh, made the farmers give up hope. Loans they couldn't pay back. Uh, uh, rocks that would come up through and, and plug their fields and their, their wells weren't deep enough. So they, they only grew, they grew the wrong crops. They, they didn't have two cycles of crops. A lot of things which World Vision could help them with. So we got the resources together. At the time, it was the biggest suicide rate in the world. And in over just one a year, about 250,000 uh, men uh, committed suicide because of hopelessness in this one region and it was true all over uh, that area right so world vision came into this particular area didn't have any work anywhere near it it's in the middle of nowhere they, they decided it, you know if we had the resources here's what we could do well we were able to get the resources they went in did all those things i just mentioned with farming help right and also encouragement uh, of a world view you know that, that god is a god of love we're made in his image and he's got purpose and he's given you resources and, you, you know, and so they started to work. And only, after only just a very short time, the last time that I checked on the project, there had been no farmer suicides wow. in that whole region. And they had then brought that kind of hope to other farmers not to give up. Wow. And I love that project. That's beautiful. Yeah. And that was funded by one family, wasn't it? One family. So what an what a incredible joy wow. for them. Yeah. Yeah. I'll I'll tell I'll tell one that was actually funded by boy millions of people mm-hmm. uh over the years. So um the Ethiopia famine, um, you know, a million people died from that. And um uh some of the areas where World Vision was working uh were you know, people would come from all around and leave their homes and, you know, sell their land, sell their farm implements and everything and, and just go farm implements. I mean, just their tools, you know, hoes and shovels and, mm-hmm. and, and walk to a relief camp. Right. Mm-hmm. And so once the situation turned around and then the rain started to come back, um, people had nothing. And so World Vision ended up realizing wow okay so we've saved their lives but how are they going to have livelihoods and how are they how are they going to you know be less vulnerable next time Mm -hmm. there's a drought uh and so when bill and i were there uh we world vision had had completed a bridge so that they could safely get across to another uh, another area uh we were doing demonstration gardens and we'd uh we'd help them through some uh, food for work programs to build water catchments on the sides of the mountains to catch the the mountain the, the water that came off because all the trees had been cut down for firewood it's cold up in this kind of hilly area and we'd help plant a million trees mm-hmm. well i i had the chance to go back and see that almost 20 years later and go visit that area mm-hmm. 20 years later and it was 
it was incredible. It was um, a little bit like driving into um, the San Francisco Bay Area. I mean, it's rimmed with these kind of uh, lovely mountains, and now they're all green. Mm. Uh, Bill, we got to stand on one of those water catchments. Uh-huh. We, we walked on the bridge. I felt like I was on, <laughs> on holy ground going over yeah. that bridge. And um, they said that may, may be the most important thing that World Vision helped us have because women who didn't die in childbirth if they needed to get to a clinic or hospital on the other side, kids were dying trying to walk to school and cross that river, and, uh, and, and we can have trucks come in and out. And so now they were growing fruit trees and they were growing crops that were twice as tall as the people who were harvesting them. And it had gone from being a basket case. A dust bowl. A dust yeah. Bowl. They called and, it a dust bowl. Yeah, to being the bread basket bread of basket. northern yep. Ethiopia. They mm-hmm. were in a larger drought in 2002, uh, just before I was there. And they were not only food secure, we call it food mm-hmm. secure, but they were, they were still... Um, uh, they were exporting food to other yes. regions and helping them survive mm-hmm. the drought. Mm-hmm. And uh, probably the culmination of that from a standpoint of hope for me was, so it was getting toward the end of the day, and we'd been walking through all of these old, um, you remember the tin buildings that were where the relief camp mm-hmm. and where the relief workers slept and where we slept and the yeah. showers, you know, we'd taken there. And those buildings were still there. And, and, um, and it was a, a, like walking kind of like through a, a holy site mm-hmm. for me, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I'd remembered that there had been a little school that, that had, had just been built, and I asked about it, and, and uh, they said, oh, we'll show it to you, uh, but it's now the high school, because we had to build, build a bigger school for, for the elementary school. Well, when we got out there, the classes for both schools were just getting out, and the kids, I mean, hundreds of kids in these bright uniforms, you know, the bright uniforms, mm-hmm. uh, they, they, all these kids in the same uniforms coming out onto the street. And they were just, we were felt like we were in a sea of these kids. And it was, it, it was such a swell that they actually kind of split us up. We found ourselves kind of drifting, drifting apart. And, and at one point I just kind of leaned back against one of the vehicles that had, you know, tried to get into that area just leaned back against it and I thought how many of these kids would even have been here I, I tried to ask them a couple of questions of you know how's life after been after the famine and I realized none of none of them were alive no. oh, the no. only reason they were here now was because their parents survived when wow. they were kids yeah oh my gosh I'm, uh, I'm yeah. just getting goosebumps uh, telling the story but you know yeah. to just see that and realize somehow I and millions of people who gave to the mm-hmm. over over the years and gave to that during the famine, you know, we got to play some little role in, you know, in such a transformation. It was, There's yeah. another piece to that, Corey, which you didn't mention yet, which is which is really amazing and it's very important and it's very germane. Is there weren't any churches when we were there? Ah, uh, yes, that's right. And uh, it wasn't a Christian area. And World Vision, just by the nature of our staff being Jesus followers and lovers of Christ and acting like Christ, over time began to lead people to Christ. And now that entire valley is full 
of yeah. Christians and churches and people you also met mm-hmm. that right. are multi generational right. now Jesus <laughs> well, followers. So yeah. the whole so you don't want to miss that. Yep. Thank you. <laughs> and you talk right. about hope. You yeah. know. And, 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 yeah. and there's also in there uh, a dignity that those people. You talked about the dignity yeah. of Ethiopians. Yeah. When I was there, when they were just building that bridge, mm. it was you know people were going to give them food because there was no food. Mm-hmm. Well, we did food for work. Mm-hmm. Yes. So there was five thousand men moving all of that dirt and water and water by hand and they had on and they and this is during the the communist regime they wrote in the the symbol in that bridge right built by kind of our hands are built by god i mean it was a christian yes. yeah I, I took a picture symbol. of that 20 years later <laughs> oh man that sounds i wish i could go back yeah well let's go let's do it <laughs> <laughs> Right, let, let me take a different twist from these two brothers here and tell you about another kind of hope that also relates to the work we're doing. And that's the, my very first donor experience when I joined World Vision. Would that be all right? Instead I'd of talking that. about the, yeah. the work overseas. And uh, this is where I learned about uh, the role that we could have here on this side. Not the role these yeah, men just great. talked about, but the role with people that uh, could be donors and partners with us financially if God called them to. And so my very first relationship that I was called to uh, work on was a, was a lady that uh, had this, it was all tied together with this Ethiopia famine, and she uh, had seen a television special that World Vision had put on and sent a very large check to the headquarters. So this lady was back in New England where I was, but she had sent the check out to California, which is where we were based, and Ted Engstrom, the president we talked about earlier, I still have it in my file. That was back for computers, Josie. <laughs> I still have a typewritten letter telling me, go thank this lady for this huge gift. one of the biggest cash gifts we'd ever received. Mm-hmm. Just unsolicited, so to speak. She saw the TV special. So my wife and I uh, went to visit this lady. And what we, what we found was a woman in her 40s, uh, twice divorced, four kids, uh, since she was in her 40s and since she was 18, she'd been an alcoholic and a drug addict. Just a basket case of super wealth. She had two, wow. two lines of wealth from her two grandfathers in New York and Chicago. So she was living on two sets of trust funds. Totally purposeless. Nothing to do with her life. She already completely screwed it up. Mm-hmm. And Annette and I showed up. And this lady was, you know, she had an oceanfront home and all this. And she was a hermit. And I don't know how we ever got to see her. It's a miracle. But we, we yeah. found her and went to see her. And she was shaky. And she tried to pour us a cup of herb tea. And, I, and I, I, I've never, that's shaped my whole ministry, quite frankly, Josie, at World mm. Vision. Seeing mm. that people necess- don't necessarily have a better life because they have material wealth. She, she was a case of someone yeah. that had so much wealth that had, she was just a mess. And she had made a total mess of her life. Well, we had a wonderful visit. Fortunately, my wife was along, and so it kind of, you know, she was scared to death. And she said, she didn't understand. She, that's a little shit. She said, I thought you said Billy, you were Billy Graham. Oh! Yeah. Uh, Billy that's Br- how you Bill, got Bill, in. Bill Bryce, you know. <laughs> that's how you got in. Well, I don't I think she, I th- no, I think she thought I should, she should say yes. Quite she, a strategy, she, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> she did. That, so here we, so anyway. <laughs> So that began this herb tea relationship, having a cup of herb tea mm. with shaky hands. And the next year we were back and saw her again. And uh, we built a rapport. And to make the story a lot shorter, eventually she got secure enough to not only not leave her house, because she stayed in her little house and had things brought to her. She went on a trip with me to Africa. Wow. And again, trying to summarize uh, a whole lifetime, because I'm still in t- touch with this oh, lady. 
Uh, she was profoundly impacted by what she saw. She, of course, had never seen anything like this coming from a privileged life in New York. And she gave her life to Jesus Christ oh. on an airplane between two countries in Africa. Oh, and I thought so to myself, great. well, this is, some, and she, this is some kind of a foxhole conversion or whatever you want to call it. She'll be back to, back to real life when she gets home. But it wasn't. The Lord, the Holy Spirit was in the airplane. And he took it at face value. He took her, took her for what she said. She came back, and she had no clue what to do next. She said, I need to find a church. So she went back to the church of her upbringing, that denomination, and, and she called me. She said, this, I don't get it. There's nothing here. And I said, well, you need to find a Bible-preaching church. Said, well, what's mm. that? Well, you know, where they talk about the Bible. She was <laughs> clueless. Yeah. Well, she found a little tiny Baptist church in this little town where she lived, and every Sunday she started going to church, and the pastor kind of took it from there and nurtured her. And we, she went on. She has taken over there six trips with me. Really? Her son has come to Christ. Her daughter has come to Christ. Her daughter-in-law has come to Christ. Her, Charlie and I oh took two of her goodness. granddaughters yeah. on a trip. Uh, the whole family, they've been baptized in the Atlantic Ocean in front of her home and didn't by the, World Vision staff. The, the staff from Malawi, didn't they come? And, uh, from or, South from, Africa. From South that, Africa. That ministered to her over there. Wow. Came over, and she flew them over at her expense to, bapt, to baptize her children oh in, in the ocean in front of her home that's but that's the short version mm. but there's a woman who mm -hmm. now has a bounce in her step she has hope she has joy we, we've literally yeah. been on every yeah. major continent we've been to asia together we've been to latin america together we've been multiple times to east south and west africa together and she's been incredibly and, generous over uh, all, those she, years. all during yeah. the i think it was the 80s or 90s might have been the 90s she was our largest cash donor because all of a sudden she that gift was just a token for what she had and she had more fun giving more money away, mm. and then meeting the people she helped. That's where it ties in. And we realized we're, we're a bridge. <laughs> Talk about a bridge. You have a broker, another model yes. that we could yes. call as a bridge builder. And we're just this connector. Yes. The Lord did all that. Yes. So not only did he help these people in Ethiopia and India, he helped someone in New England mm -hmm. that had a hopeless case. And she's now full of hope, and her children have hope and all that. So that's a whole, that's a kind of give you a oh different. Oh, my goodness. No, I have goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the power of God's hope to step in yeah. and transform not just her life, but the ripple effect from that. I mean, that's yeah. incredible. Yes. Yeah. yeah, three generations it, there. And it, wow. impacted her, it impacted you, and you're, like you said, oh, no, quite, the it trajectory of your ministry. Yeah, it did. It changed. Yeah. It changed, Josie, yeah. that day. I, I had a whole new understanding mm. of what my calling was going to be, which is to people just like that that needed purpose and yeah. hope in the United States. And I knew World Vision's work, because it's so biblically based, that's everything mm -hmm. Jesus said to do, is right there in Luke chapter 4. If you look at Luke chapter 4, that's the, that's the World Vision mandate exactly what he said his purpose was what he quoted isaiah when he stood up he said that's there it is i'm i'm it from the isaiah you just read that little passage in, in luke chapter four uh justice you know mm -hmm. sight for the blind all that stuff yeah. that that's world vision and so if they if someone gets engaged with that god's going to change them yeah so that's that, right yeah so that's right i mean we i bet you when she was pouring you that first cup of tea <laughs> i'm gonna guess in your mind you're thinking probably going very far. <laughs> I mean, right? Don't we often do that even with our own lives? Like we we can't even fathom what God can oh, do. Right. Look what God did. Yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, I, I don't want to stop this, but but you know, we need to. So I have one final question and we ask this of all our guests who come on our podcast, and that is, what does hope mean to you? Hmm. There's no wrong answer. And it sounds different for everyone. For me, I would say that um, hope is knowing that God is working. And you can't see 
sometime at, at the time. I remember your sister Rachel when Children's Orthopedic told me, it's hopeless. She is hopeless. And then when all the volunteers came to help us and you look back on it, even your life. Yeah. God's working. Yep. And that, that's hope. I love that. Beautiful. I think hope is uh, actually getting to that place where you believe things can be better than they are now. I think that's what I mm-hmm. see World Vision giving mm-hmm. people when, I, when we say we try to provide hope, not just these physical things, but it's really hope that there is going to be another day and a better day. And it ties into all the things we do, including Christ, but also the other, we're showing them there is a way they can grow crops. There is a way they can go to school. There is a way they can get out of this mess they're in. And so that's for me is hope is life can be, can be different. And if you don't believe that, then you're hopeless, right? If you don't think right. life can ever get any better than what it is now, then you're hopeless. So to me, the, yeah. the verse of that is... Yeah, uh, right on. So that's my answer. Love it. <laughs> yeah, I think for me, it comes back to Jesus' prayer, the, the Lord's prayer. And I, I go to a church where they recite it every week and they, mm. they get it wrong every week. <laughs> <laughs> Because we say, you know, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, comma. Everybody takes a breath right there. Mm. On earth as it is in heaven. But what that phrase is really saying is, thy kingdom come on earth. Yep. Thy will be done on earth, mm-hmm. comma, as it is in heaven, right? Right yeah. now. Yeah, right now. Yeah. And so for, so for me, you know, I keep coming back to, am I about the work of the kingdom? Am I about um, seeing signs and showing signs of the kingdom, this, this ever-advancing kingdom of God? And, and we, we have the opportunity to kind of put these, plant these flags of hope and plant these flags of, you know, the kingdom just advancing in another three feet, you know, uh, here and there yeah. and, and, and in this other way. And I can't tell you the number of times that uh, that that for me it's just uh, and that's the thing that I that I continually fall in love with with Jesus as well is just you know if you if, if, when you read if you read through the Gospels the thing he constantly talked about was the kingdom of God and let me tell you what that's going to be like and let me give you some examples and some stories and illustrations Mm -hmm. of here's what people will do and when they're doing these things that's what the kingdom looks like so I'm going to be about doing things that the kingdom looks like Mm -hmm. right so for me that's hope oh I love it well you guys I'm I'm so inspired I I really could just, can I, can I come over when we're done? Okay. You got to have dinner and then a whole evening full of more conversation like this. I love it. You are my heroes. I, I thank you for um, being examples to me personally in my life, watching people devote their lives to kingdom work. And I, I'm all about that too. I want to be all about that in my life. And, and we each have different callings and different spots on this globe, but you guys have, Wow. I don't even have any other words to say. So thank you. I love you all very much for coming and being with us. And uh, God bless you guys. You're welcome. Thanks for having us. God bless you. Wonderful. Oh, man. Oh, man. I have got goosebumps after that. I'm encouraged, inspired, and challenged all at the same time. World Vision is going to the ends of the earth where no one else wants to go. And they are on a mission to end poverty in the name of Jesus. I want to be all about that myself. If you'd like more information on World Vision, or maybe you feel the Holy Spirit pressing you to get more involved, 
You can check them out at worldvision.org. We'll attach the link to this episode as well. This would be a great conversation to share with others. So don't forget to pass our podcast along to friends or share about it on social media. We're excited to keep bringing you hope-filled stories and conversations. So keep tuning in and we'll meet you here for our next episode in two weeks.